Welcome back to episode two of uh, Making It So, a Get Into Geek podcast. Guess what? You guys liked it so much. We're back for a second week in a row. <laughs> like, uh, I'm your host, Craig, and uh, my co-host, Maddie. How you going, mate? Hey. Oh, mate. Episode two. Episode Picard, two. Season three. We've literally just finished watching it. Like, we're talking five minutes ago. Yep. Episode two, season three. It's called Disengage. Disengage. A little bit of foreshadowing there with the name, but yeah, I guess mm. every episode of every TV show has a little bit of foreshadowing with the name. Yeah, and I love it when they use the the title in the episode. Yes. So I'm like, there it is. Boom. Raffi, disengage. Spoilers. Well, we're assuming that if you're listening to this, you've watched <laughs> the episode. Otherwise, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, all right. So we, we will be getting into spoilers, but uh, first, uh, shall we read the synopsis from IMDb? Let's do it. What do you reckon? All right, let's... Uh, Okay, so aided by Seven of Nine and the crew of the USS Titan, Picard makes a shocking discovery that will alter his life forever and puts him on a collision course with the most cunning enemy he's ever encountered. Meanwhile, Raffi races to track a catastrophic weapon and collides with a familiar ally. Wow. Side note, just after the opening being the old school TNG music and then hearing the, like, season one Picard music, he really just reinforces how good the music for season three is. Oh, I'm mate. It's like, like, damn. So the the score that they have for this season so far, like we're two episodes in, has been amazing. Perfect. And it is... No notes. It is classic Next Generation and Next Generation movies. Plus there's obviously parts from like original series mm, movies as but well. But updated as well. It feels fresh. Yeah. I feel like they've just like pulled the old cassette tape out from the 80s with the Next Generation sound on it and chucked it on. Like they've... They've redone it. It sounds great. Oh, actually, let, let's just skipping ahead a little bit in the episode here mm-hmm. to the po- like the credits, the music. Yeah. Right. So in the credits, if you watch the credits, you will see some like a music sheet with notes on it. Yes. So I was looking online last week and I found out what that song is. Mm-hmm. It is Pop Goes the Weasel. Nice touch. Nice touch. There are so many just little. Easter eggs like that in this show, absolutely. Like I'm, That's I'm such a nice touch. Like I'm absolutely loving this, and Terry Metalis, the uh, showrunner for Picard, is killing it. Yeah, like. I think when we watched it last week, like when I first saw that, I'm like, oh, that's probably the iconic music from The Light that Picard plays on his flute or whatever it is. Like to go all the way back to Pop Goes the Weasel, that is that is a cool touch. Like, well done. That's the first couple of minutes of The Next Generation for anyone that doesn't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. And then they reference it back in uh, Nemesis as well. Yeah. Like Riker can't remember what the song was. Yeah. I, like. Very clever. It's like It's like, yeah, like. I'm so cliche that I would do the light music, but he's just, he's just, Terry's just like twisting it that little bit and going, well, I'm not going to do what you expect. I'm going to do something a little bit of a deeper dive and really just like let people know that he knows his shit. He, he has made this for the fans. Yeah. It very much feels like a, uh, like a Dave Filoni Star Wars kind of thing. Like you kind of, you're getting the vibe. And like I've, you know, he's, he's engaging with the fans a lot on social media and it's like, he gets it. He's one of us. Yes, but like if you're, I think as well, if you're not a, f- a previous fan of the next generation, I still think like this is good sci fi and you yeah. would love this show. And I think, you know, if, you, if you're a fan of, you know, the original series, Next Gen, DS9 Voyager, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, watching shows like Discovery, for example, is very jarring for a lot of people. Yes. So I think if you're a, not a Trek fan and you start watching like this particular season of Picard, and if you go, oh, you know what, I'm going to go back and watch some of the old stuff. It's not going to be jarring. Like I think if you know, if, if, and there's new fans who are hardcore fans of Discovery. Good luck to you. Um, but I feel like if, if you're a fan of Discovery and you went back and watched Next Generation, you'd be like, huh? Yeah. So true. I feel like this is finding that nice balance of bringing it into the you know 21st century, um, but still giving us all those little bits that we need and giving it the right kind of vibe. Yeah. Even I, if there's Two episodes in a row now where people are swearing, but we'll, you know. I definitely think they've learned from Discovery. Like, Discovery painted itself into a corner. First pancake. Very, very fast. Yeah. Um, The beginning of Strange New Worlds was automatically painted into a a little bit of a corner because of its connection to Discovery, but it is quickly getting its way out of that, and I think um, Strange New Worlds is classic Trek. Much stronger. It is excellent. Yeah, much stronger. Yeah, and 
I'm going to put put it out there that I think Strange New Worlds is just as good as this last season of Picard. Season two or season three are we talking? Of Strange New Worlds? No, of Picard. Of Picard, this season. Okay, good. Because I'm like, I feel like season two would be a diss. <laughs> no, so no, no, like, no, okay, no. Yeah. Like, no, no, I very much enjoyed season one of um, Strange New Worlds. Well, I just recently re-watched, uh, or this week actually, between the first episode and this episode of Picard season three, I re-watched the first season. Ugh. And I actually really enjoyed it again on a second viewing. I'm not that sadistic. I couldn't do it to myself. <laughs> it's it's not that bad. Yeah, no. No, I'm not into torture. Sorry. I'm not, in, I'm not into torture porn. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, before we get into the rest of the actual episode, we're getting into heavy spoilers. So... Okay. So, we're into the heavy spoilers. What do we think, Maddie? Where, where are we going to start? I mean, I think we've got to start with the elephant in the room, Jack Crusher. Jack Crusher. Like, mm. so within the first few seconds, he actually told us his first name. Yeah. So it is Jack Crusher. So he is named after Beverly's first husband yeah. or husband. Yeah. You know, so. And then that nice little sort of red herring later on where it's like, oh, he's actually got a bunch of different aliases. So it's like, is he really Jack Crusher or is he just pulling your leg? And then right at the end, they're like, oh, not only is he Jack Crusher, he's Picard's son. Massive spoiler, that one. Yeah, Picard's son. Like, that, I could kind of feel that it was coming because Will Riker was sort of like pushing Picard to sort of. Do you not see it? Have you not done the math? Yeah. Yeah, he was. And I guess it makes sense. There was. there was a cool moment in I guess I guess I I think of it straight away because it's the one episode from season one of Picard that I enjoy, which is Nepenthe, where we see Riker and Troy. And doesn't he like pick that Soji is like Data's family straight away? Like she does that classic like Data head tilt. Yeah. And he goes, Oh, you're Data's daughter, or something something like that. So like Riker's on it. Like nothing gets by him. That's why he's such a good poker player. Like nothing gets, oh, yeah. nothing gets <laughs> by him. So I love the fact that he's already just gone, well, yeah, obviously that's Beverly and Jean-Luc's son. And although he doesn't say it, obviously, the, you know, it's, it's very cleverly edited and cut it around, but it's like he's just there going, Jean-Luc, don't you see it? Yeah, well, don't, I think that... How, like, how are you not up to where I am already? If you look closely at Jack Crusher, there's some of his mannerisms and the way he stands and stuff is very sort of Picard as well. Yeah. When like, he, it's subtle, um, but it's there. When he got really serious at one point and he was sort of giving his little sort of, you know, impassioned monologue, it even gave me shins on flashbacks. Yes. And I was like, oh, snap. So that was a nice little tie in there as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, great casting. And, um, yeah, I guess I guess we spoke about it a little last week, but it's like I guess it makes sense that if this is going to be the last season, if they're going to do it, do it. Like Beverly has a son. Beverly has a son, it's Picard's son. Because, like, well, at the end of season one of uh, Picard, they did make a big deal that Jean-Luc was the last yeah. of the Picards because now he's got that, you know, android body. Yeah, which they referenced in this episode, yes. which was interesting. They're like, oh, yeah, in the synthetic flesh. Yeah, well, um, speaking about that, so the big bad, well, it seems like the big bad of the season is, uh, uh, what's her was name? Varick or uh, something? Captain Vadic. Vadic. So... She seems to know who Shaw is. She knows all about interesting. You know, him. She mentioned almost something about his psychological profile as well. Almost instantly, uh-huh. uh, and that's what gave me straight away my first thought when I saw her. The way she's like, she's like, "You, you're Captain Shaw," and then like gave his first name, Liam Shaw. Yeah, Liam Shaw. Reference his psychological profile. I'm like instant recall like that. The only time we see instant recall like that is an augment or a synthetic. Maybe. Ooh, oh, we didn't even think about that, did we? No. That's interesting. So for, the, for those that don't know what an augment is, like we're talking like Khan type of thing. Khan, yeah. Um, there was all the augments from that last season of Enterprise. Um, I guess technically Dr. Bashir is an augment. Yeah. You know, anyone, anyone who's been genetically modified, which is illegal in, inside the Federation. So, And she's kind of got that psychotic about oh, her. That, the, the laughing and the giggling at the end was just so just delightfully... It was a bit jarring. <laughs> it was just delightfully bent and weird and you're just like, oh, she she gives me weird feelings, but I'm into it. Like, Captain Shaw, like, you hate him, 
But very much like Jellico, I found myself like the actor is so good at being a dick. I'm enjoying hating him. Yeah. And I think I'm enjoying her being this psychotic weirdo. Because I was like going into the series just based on the trailer, I was like, oh, who is this random person who has no connection to Picard who's going to be the big bad for the final season? Uh, I was in my head, I was like writing my own, you know, version of the series going, well, if you're going to have this, you know, this random, you know, no holds barred, do what she wants bad guy, I'm like, wouldn't it have been cool to make it like Sila? Bring Tasha Yar's, you know, illegitimate half Romulan daughter, Sila back. Because she'd have an axe to grind with Picard. The last time we saw her oh, was for sure. like season six of um, of Next Generation. But from what we can gather in this episode, it's she's got an axe to grind with Jack, which is what's drawn Picard into this whole thing. Well, so she seems like... Well, that's an saying, interesting approach. They're saying that she's a bounty hunter, but I'm not buying that. I don't buy that either, no. There is even even Seven had that line where she was like, oh, I've been a Fenris Ranger, mate. Um, this, this ain't no bounty hunter. Yes. But yeah, obviously you mentioned Shaw there and I'm no fan of Shaw. Mm. But as soon as Shaw found out that Jack was Picard's son, his whole attitude to the situation changed. He's like, okay, we're in this then. Let's go. So I don't know. Maybe Shaw was a dad and he understands. Mm. Well, actually going back to... Maybe Shaw did lose someone at Wolf 359 because he hates the Borg. I remember you saying that last week uh, while we were watching the episode. So maybe, yeah, he lost a son mm. and he's like, well, fuck. You know, I mean, Picard's was, got a son. We must protect years him. Ago, mate. Get over it. But, <laughs> oh, mate, oh, like, <laughs> a, as a father myself, if that happened to me, like, it would be very hard to. Yeah. Let go. Well, yeah, when you're face to face with a man. But yeah. it's also something they've already kind of done with Cisco. So. Um, but it, it it seems to me, yeah, like Shaw is already kind of moving past that initial, you know, distaste that he had for them. Um, and yeah, like he, he obviously, you know, Seven talked, like manipulated him into basically interfering, <laughs> yes. uh, which was great. And then he kind of backpedaled a little bit and kind of tried to blame on everybody else. And yeah, and then there was that great moment right at the end where it's just Beverly and Jean-Luc just no Just words, looking at each other across at the bridge. Each other, all done in a look, which I love. That unspoken bond. I love that kind of stuff. It's what I always call, and it's I think it's been coined. So it's 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 the book version. It's there's nothing Beverly and Jean Luc can say that is going to please every single fan who's been a fan of them since the eighties. Oh no! So by doing it this way, the book version, we are all individually using our own life experiences and putting that in. And it's like I'm sure in my what in my mind what those two were saying in that conversation would be different to you or anyone else who was watching. So it's like it immediately gives you as a viewer, you imbue kind of your own emotional context into it, which makes you enjoy the moment even more. Yeah, so like to me, it was that unspoken conversation was, yes, Jean-Luc, he is yours. And then that that look of elation yeah. On Jean Luc realizing that he is not the last Picard, but and his also, legacy will continue. Also, I got a bit of sorrow in there as well. Like Beverly almost looked embarrassed at a moment there when she kind of looked down and looked away, in almost to me like saying, "I'm so sorry, I never told you." Yeah. Um. And then yeah, like Picard when he kind of just like closed his eyes and winced. It was this combination. Like it was this hurt of not having known this this whole time. Like if you think about, and we spoke about it last week, the absolute breakdown he had in generations when he found out his brother and nephew and Renee were all dead and, and he was it. Imagine the comfort it would have given him to know that Jack existed. Obviously, you know, it's a retcon type thing, so that doesn't exist. But so yeah, like that's what I imbue in that moment. So Picard has this dichotomy of, oh, I'm so hurt that this woman who I have loved since I was an ensign basically um, who I haven't seen for 20 years, has been hiding this huge secret from me. So there's that element of it, but then it's also that elation of, holy crap, I'm not the last one. I'm not the last Picard. Yeah, well, obviously Fantastic. last week as well, I came up with a bit of an idea about when potentially he was conceived. and You nailed that. I, I, to me, I, that's that's it. That's we, what's going to happen. Well, it still hasn't been confirmed, so yeah. we will see. But like, I was like... Wow, maybe it really does sort of add up. Yeah. For those that haven't listened, my idea was that 
during season two of The Next Generation when Beverly had, you know, essentially left the show. Gates McFadden had left the show, but Beverly Crusher, she'd gone to run Starfleet Medical. I'm thinking that maybe as she was leaving the Enterprise, her and Jean-Luc had like one last little, one last or first little, Mm. you know, session, shall we say, romantic session in the holodeck or in his quarters or something, and that's where he was conceived. Yeah, and potentially... Uh, like I kind of after this episode, now that we know for a fact that Jean Luc had no idea, it's like, did Beverly know that that one night led to her being pregnant, and she panicked and ran away and used this this opportunity to go and work at Starfleet Medical as an excuse to sort of run away. Um, but obviously, yeah, like we spoke about last week, it's hard to know like what well, what happened after she came back after a year. Who did who did she palm Jack off? On yeah. To raise, he's got a British accent that can't be genetic. Um, that we're no, aware so, of. So, un- unless like um, Beverly's parents are still around or something, and they raised him in secret, I can't remember because there is that hor- we there's a horrible episode of um, Next Generation Beverly's worst that Sub Rosa, where it's like her her auntie was fucking a ghost or whatever it was. Oh yeah, I would never go back and watch it. Well, then I'm, she did as well. Yeah. Um. So I'm not sure if that episode tells you anything about who who's surviving in her family or anything like okay. that. Okay, listeners, homework for next week. Mm. Listen, send us a message on Instagram. Yeah, because I sure as hell am not going to watch Sub Rosa <laughs> again. Absolutely I will not. watch it. Absolutely I will not. watch it myself. Um, yeah, so obviously someone had to be raising Jack. Um, and then, yeah, for Beverly to come back and, and not say anything for... 30 years. Because, yeah, sorry, when you when we were talking about uh, your idea for, for Jack, and it's like, well, then we did the math, and it's like, well, the actor was born during season two of Next Generation. Yeah. So that's what? kind of some perfect casting there. Yeah, it just really adds up. So it, it'll be very interesting to see where they go with this mm. whole situation. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So obviously everyone loves a bit of a space battle in sci-fi. True. All right, um, Beverly's ship. I'm not exactly sure what the name of it is. The Eli- Elios. 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 And the registry number is NAR five nine zero one nine. For those that are interested, I wrote that down. Um, it was caught in a tractor beam, and then the Titan come in at warp, stopped dead in the middle of that tractor beam and yeah. broke the tractor beam. I've never seen that before, and that was excellent. I really enjoyed that. It was really good. Yeah, there's. <laughs> It's it's a lot of stuff we haven't seen before. So, like, obviously there was that moment and then, you know, cut to a couple of minutes later and was her name? Vatic? Vatic. Vatic yeah. just uses a tractor beam to throw the Helio, the Helios at Yeah, the that, that was totally new. Which and we've never seen before. Um, but it does, it, me as, as a Star Trek nerd, I'm like, well, if I'm going to warp into a potential battle scenario and put my ship in between a ship in a tractor beam... I'm at least going to put my shields up. At which point, if I did that, the Elios is going to bounce off him when she throws it at me. So I'm like, this Captain Shaw guy is a victim of plot. (laughs) (laughs) Surely he's, for someone who's so by the book, I'm like, he would be like, no, regulation state, we're out of Federation space, I'm going to need to have my shields up and I'm going to engage, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, he did feel a little underprepared. Um, but it's one of those things you need to do to service plot. And yeah. if it means we get to see someone use a tractor beam to throw a ship at another ship, I'll allow it. I think that that was just very cool. I, I've not yeah. seen anything like it. And yeah, in, in every different sci-fi series that I've ever seen, I, I cannot recall seeing a tractor beam be used to throw As another ship. Yeah. And I guess, I guess it's not going to work in every scenario. Like, if it's a ship similar in size to your own, probably not going to work. But the Elios was such a little ship comparatively. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, Vatic's ship, like, they did list off some of the weapons of the, the Shrike or the Shriek or something yeah. that's called. Yeah, as, um, as they say in uh, Nemesis, what do they say about the, the, the scimitar? It's, she's a predator. Yeah, definitely. That ship is a predator. Mm. Like, it's obviously not as big as the... Uh, as the, the ship scimitar. in there, the scimitar, it's, uh, but it's still quite large. Some weapons. What were some of the? What were some of the? Ones okay, you so down? it's got uh, 40, 40 warheads, two hundred and thirty-six photon torpedoes, eighteen antimatter missiles, and there was a whole other yeah, list. Wow. Like that was just what I could write yeah, down yeah. while I was watching it. There was that little bit of me as the DS Nine fan, just being like, "Oh, Duranium shadows. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a bluff." But 
No, she came to play. She came oh, to play. She's psychotic. Definitely. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about Raffi. So we're getting more mm. of Raffi's story. Like, obviously, Raffi's a relatively new character to you know, Star Trek lore. We've mm-hmm. only seen her since the first season of Picard. Yep. Um, we know that she's an addict from the past, like, and she still struggles with addiction. And I like that they're not forgetting that. They're still no. keeping that as part of her her core identity, and it's something because it's 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 true to form, you know. Uh, what's one of those things that it's like? It's like you never were an addict. You you're, you're always an addict. If you're an addict, you're always an. Addict. It's just you're either an active addict or you're an addict in recovery. So and I like the fact that they haven't just glossed over it and gone. Yeah, no, nah, she's fine now. Like and she's still struggling. That is one of the beauties of Star Trek. It's a it's a social commentary of our current times. Mm. Like there is, you know, lots of addicts in society, and you know, I I know some people that have struggled with addiction, and people that still do struggle with addiction, yeah. and I'm sure you do too, and our listeners. Yeah, so. and I, I like the fact too that it's like because it it was a very hard thing for me to buy in season one because I'm like, you know, like they say in Deep Space Nine, it's like Earth is paradise. It's you know how you how can you not have everything you can ever need while you're on Earth? It's fine, but it's like this season they're like, well, no, Raffi working in Starfleet security and Starfleet intelligence, it's like they're sending her to the garbage parts of the galaxy where all these things, all these vices are readily available and these temptations are here. So it's like they put her in the gutter to work and it's like, well, like even in this episode when she's dealing with, um, what was the name they gave to the Ferengi? Uh, Meek or Breek? Sneed. Sneed. Um, Like for her to pass his test, she had to shoot up in front of him. Yeah, in the like, eye. In the eye. <laughs> um, so it's like, yeah, Raffi's around all this stuff. So to me, it's it's almost buying back the things that were missing in season one of her character. Yeah. Um, which is great. But you, you could see that hesitation in her. Mm. and But she was like, I have to do this for my duty. Yeah. To find out why. Because what did she say? 117 people died. Yeah, in that, um, that I do. Incident. I did think that number would be larger. So that's that's what I thought. I really thought 117 was quite low yeah. for how big that building looked, and not just the building, but where it landed on yeah, the other part of the city be, as well. Yeah, there's going to be casualties over there. So I think that's good. So like, at first I was like, oh, that number seems low. Is that enough? And I'm like, well, no. If you went back and watched Next Generation, even the loss of five lives, people are going to take that hard. I think what I was used to is a lot of this new Trek is just like everything has to be end of the world. Everything has to be millions of casualties, hundreds of thousands. It's like, no, every life is important. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, 117 is a lot of, a lot of loss. Saying that though, that, you know, every life is important. Sure. Was like, well, it's only one retired Admiral and yeah. One, you know, captain, like, yeah, we've got 500 souls on this shit. He's like, yeah, that math that math doesn't add up. <laughs> Sorry, bud. So, you know, I guess it still depends on the person. Yeah, Every, yeah, everybody absolutely. has their own number, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's like, 500 versus two, I'll take it. Yeah, for me, like, we, you never leave a person behind. Mm, correct. You know, and you know, that's just the way it is in the military. Yeah. You know, we don't leave our people behind. Yeah, so. that's it. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah, so Rafi, we ran into Rafi's ex-husband. That was a nice touch. I never expected to see that guy. No. So I, that was totally unexpected for me. But then he, he really, he was a bit of an asshole. He gave her the choice yeah. of, you know, seeing her son or was it just giving oh, uh, his like, son I'll a message? Put in a good word. Yeah. In the hope, or, what's, what's her son's name? Um, oh, I, Gray or I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. Um, but he's like, yeah, I'll put in a good word with your son in the hopes that maybe he'll want to reach out and have contact or with Or I'll you put again. you in touch with Sneed. Yeah. And she didn't even have to say it. Yeah. She just broke just down and he's like, oh, we know, we know we'll know what that means. But I'm like, dude, that's just cold, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a great moment for Raffi because it's, it shows her selflessness and shows that she's willing to do whatever it takes and sacrifice whatever it takes to get the job done, which tracks with her personality in terms of the addiction she's dealt with and also her, um, her like, extreme focus and and what did he call it getting caught in the web you know all yeah. the conspiracy theory stuff that, that she used to go through um so it tracks that she would she would make that sacrifice um but it it also kind of it's weird because 
I guess he didn't find he didn't get word that she was right. She's been right. Like all that stuff from season one and season two with the Romulans yeah. and the Jat Vash. Raffi was right. Hashtag, you know, <laughs> vengeance for Raffi. What is it? <laughs> you know, like I guess he didn't know because it's like I feel like I mean, obviously we don't know the entire history of um of her life with um him and, and her son, but it's like surely if both of them or either of them had found out that turns out she was right this whole time, there would be a little bit of forgiveness there. Well, I think there's still a lot of character development to go here. So mm, Yeah, maybe maybe that'll be her arc for this season is maybe by the end of the season is redemption type of thing. Yeah, yeah. She, maybe she'll get um she'll get to to meet her her grandbaby. Maybe who I guess her grandbaby will be because it wasn't born yet, was it? They like when she went and saw her in her son, season one when she saw her son at Free Cloud with her son's husband who was a Romulan by the looks. Son's of it. daughter. Son's daughter. Well, not that we want to assume gender. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they said it was a son, didn't they? I could be wrong. It doesn't matter. But. Uh, yeah, like uh, yeah. So assuming that that child is presumably born by now, should be maybe about two, met. three. Um. So yeah, that might be Raffi's little nice moment. Imagine her and Seven getting to go and um, meet her grandbaby. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be cool. That'd be a nice moment for Raffi. Get Very cool. Justice for Raffi. Justice for Raffi. Hashtag. Hashtag justice for Raffi. Okay. Well, maybe we're gonna have to use that when we post this <laughs> online. So, <laughs> um. So obviously when there was the shriek was like attacking um the titan mm-hmm. and attacking Beverly's ship and all that sort of stuff or especially Beverly's ship they were beaming people in and then they couldn't beam people in so they were trying to beam people out so then straight away you know Jean-Luc's out there putting the transport inhibitors up very clever like and they were completely updated from what we've seen in previous treks yeah, before I think the last time I saw much smaller well no, I'm thinking of transport enhancers back. Oh, in like the the big things the on like the tripod. Yeah, the big the big sticks on the tripods. But yeah, I guess it could be the similar technology. You just flip it from positive yeah, to like negative or whatever. But I love Rick. that it's, it. Almost reminded me of um, a collective from Voyager where they have the um, Harry's going around planting the explosives on the Borg cube. Oh yeah, uh, and they were just like those just little discs. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was nice, and obviously Picard thinking quickly. He's like, you know, not worrying about them trying to, like Riker and and Jack trying to sort of figure out how to get out of it. He's like, nope, I'm just going to stop us from getting beamed out. Like he was he was already three steps ahead of them, which is like, well, that's why he's the admiral. <laughs> um, thinking ahead, although that he did, you know, again, it's another moment where he has a great bit, and then you go, oh, he he is. He is getting old and forgetful because then, like, they're trying to get beamed out by the Titan. He's like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've got transport inhibitors up. I better take those down after Jack reminds him. All right. Well, we're up to a, another legacy cast member mm. uh, from the next generation, Worf. Oh, how did we not talk about Worf when we were talking about Raffi? Worf. So, obviously, Raffi's got working for Starfleet Intelligence and she's got a handler. And yeah. I called it last week. We didn't talk about it on the pod, but I did call it last week when we were watching the episode. I'm like, her handler's Worf. Oh, for sure. It's absolutely war. Yeah, and they tried to hide it by using like a robotic female voice mm. and, you know, yeah, stuff like the, that. But the no contractions, dropping the word warrior. Call, yeah, calling her a warrior. That was a dead set giveaway. Yeah, absolutely. But so, Worf's entrance, I it was excellent. That was great. I, I do wish I'd seen a little bit more of it. We kind of got that weird like wispy Raffy vision where he was kind of just a bit of a blur. Because he's I'm like, moving so fast. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it would have been really nice to get a better shot and his new weapon, uh, would have been nice to get a, a better ah, look Well, speaking of his new weapon, so I, uh, did a quick little bit of research after the episode there. Mm. Uh, Terry Metalis said that it's called a Curleth. Curleth. I like curleth. it. So now we've got a Batleth, a Mechleth and a, a Curleth. So it, I you like know. it. And designed by Dan Curry, who designed the Batleth yes. and the Curleth. Oh, sorry. And the, and the Mechleth. So. And he also designed, he actually is the one that came up with, Worf's fighting style and Klingon um, battle techniques. There's there's some great um, special features on like the DS9 DVDs, and there's like they just go to Dan Curry's house. He pulls a batleth off his wall, takes him at the back, and it's like he's doing Tai Chi in his backyard. I actually think I've seen that. But yeah. he's got his own batleth that he's doing it with, and just talks about the fluidity of motion and all that kind of stuff, which they then used in was it season six of DS9 when Worf is teaching Alexander how to sort of parry blows. Like, no, don't go blunt force. You need to parry the move and counter. 
So yeah. Um, so obviously, it's great. Look, they're getting. They're getting. Like we spoke about last week, they got the Okudas back to uh, do a lot of the design yes, for the car stuff. Getting Dan Curry back to do like design Klingon weapons because. Let's face it. Look, I, look. I don't want to. I don't want to bash Discovery more, but you know, here we are. Discovery um, Klingons were terrible. Discovery Batleths were terrible. Yes, that's um, true too. So it's great to bring Dan Curry back, honor the legacy that he left behind, and go, "Hey, design me a new weapon uh, for Worf." I'm like, "That's sick. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's what we want." So obviously, the Batleth is the biggest one we've seen so far. Mm, the curved blade. Then, yeah, then the Curleth, then the Mechleth, and then uh, the Dictang. Is it called the duck tug? Duck tug, the yeah, the little uh, dagger. Yeah, the little tri tri pronged dagger. But you know what? The the curleth it gave me um, vibes of mm. Ronan's sword from Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, I didn't get a cute like a great look at it, so I'll definitely go back and watch. Maybe do some freeze frame. But yeah, it definitely seemed a little longer and sleeker than the mechleth. Um, which is great because I, I think in my mind, I straight away, I go, well, Worf's getting a little old now. Maybe he just needs that little bit of extra reach, you know, just just keep the enemy just that little bit further away from him just to counteract the fact that he's getting on in ages now. He just needs that little bit of extra help. Um, but it's also cool just to see a new weapon. In the same way, it's like, well, when he evolved from Next Generation to Deep Space Nine, he changed, like, we never saw the Mechleth in, in Next Generation because it was invented for Deep Space Nine. So it's like, it's great then that, you know, he's obviously still evolving as a character and he's like, found this other weapon and he's like, I like this. But uh, hey, just for Mitch, mm. yeah, speaking about Stargate in a Star Trek podcast, do we get a, like a, a that's one type of thing in here as well? I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't shame people. I don't mind drawing comparisons between uh, different science sci-fi. fiction shows because yeah. they all, you know, build off each other. So you know, for, for those, whereas, whereas you know our Stargate uh, podcast, uh, anyone called who's, Get Into Gate, anyone who's listens to that will know I get in trouble for talking about Star Trek every time on that podcast because the guys there don't like Star Trek. I don't want to hear about Star Trek. Honestly, like I've known you since what we were grade, 12, 13, grade, eight. grade eight. Yeah, I've never until I met the Get Into Gate guys. I had never met someone who was a fan of Stargate and not a fan of Star Trek. Yeah, I, weird. I didn't, I didn't think they existed. Apparently they do. Maybe I need to be on Get Into Gator a little bit more <laughs> so we've got some more Star well, Trek look, representation. I'm, I'm converting listeners one at a time. Shout out to Damo Edwards if he's listening to <laughs> um, to this. He was very much not a Star Trek fan uh, when Get Into Gate started and he has now seen all of Next Generation DS9 and Voyager. He is, he is a self-professed Trekkie. So just converting the, the galaxy one at a time. One at a time. Yeah. No, so yeah, like... Star Trek, excellent. Stargate, excellent. But we'll, we will move on. We'll have a look. Um, yeah, Vatic's ship. Yeah, well, obviously, we've already spoken about that. But mm. yeah, that thing, is, is, it's an imposing looking beast. And yeah, she is, she's demented. Like, yeah. but she is absolutely crazy. Yeah, I'm very interested to see where we go with her and what she ends up being. Obviously, you know, we've already spoken about... Um, a few different theories on who or what she could be. Um, yeah, so I'm very interested to see that. Uh, and did we talk about it last week, or maybe we talked about it off air? There was she's actually the daughter of um, was it Kang from Undiscovered Country? You know the the bald Klingon with the eye patch from Undiscovered Country. Chang was it Chang? Chang, General Chang. That's Christopher Plummer. Yes, this is his daughter. Yeah, right. This is his real life daughter. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, keeping um, keeping it in the family, Star in the Trek. Family, yeah. Yeah. Wow, we we're really getting there. So we're seeing a little bit more character development from Seven this week as well. Yeah. So yeah, she's she seemed very sort of under the thumb and under the heel of Shaw mm. previously, and she start now that she's got Picard and Riker around, she's starting to get you know, for lack of a better word, you know, a bit of balls about her. Yeah, like she's remembering who she is. Yeah, she's um, which I which I really really like. So I, I it always reminds me of I watched an interview with Jerry Ryan when she was invited back for season one of Picard, and she said um, she got on set and she couldn't find Seven's voice again, because obviously this new Seven is much more human than the Voyager Seven. She doesn't. She's have been that, through a lot too. Yeah, she doesn't have that that robotic sort of tone and very you know. Um, emotionless kind of vibe. She's she's grown and she's evolved. Um, so it actually took um, 
She's actually best friends with um, Hugh. Um, yes. Hugh, who was in season one. In real life, those two actors are best friends because Hugh's the guy. Uh, what's uh, was it? Jonathan Delarco is oh, is the guy like who that. plays yeah. Hugh. His husband is or was Jerry's agent, so they are very much um, very very close friends. And it was actually Jonathan Delarco who um, helped Jerry Ryan find the Seven Voice again. Um, so it's like to see. I kind of got vibes of that again uh, this episode, where it's like. Seven starting to remember who she is, you know. I'm sure at some point, Shaw is going to say Commander Hansen and she's going to correct him and say, my name is Seven of Nine. I'm really hoping well, for a moment like that. I, I'm hoping. So this is obviously I don't know because I've not seen any of the other episodes and I've tried to keep away from the spoilers that are online. Not that there probably are too many. Because like, yeah, there's I been know, a few people that have seen episodes. Yeah, when they did the red carpet thing um a couple maybe a month ago now or something like that a lot of people in the media have seen i think it's the first six episodes of picard they did a yeah. screening of uh no one's as far as i know no one outside of production has seen the last four because uh, it is it is 10 isn't it it's 10 i think episodes. it's 10 yeah. yeah um so a lot of people have seen up to episode six but as far as i know not a lot of people have seen seven through ten yeah there are 10 episodes yeah, yeah. i just had a look um I, I really think by the end of this, we are going to see Seven of Nine, Commander Seven of Nine, come into her own and potentially get promoted to Captain Seven of Nine. Yeah, I'm a... I really... Because obviously they call the first episode The Next Generation. Mm. And I really think they're leading up to the next generation of yeah. Star Trek. Like, we haven't really seen them talk to... Like, the only other new Star Trek shows we've heard them really talk about apart from Strange New Worlds, which we've already seen. They've spoken about a Section 31 show, mm. but we haven't really seen anything of that. And from I'm, not, I'm happy if that doesn't ever exist. I mean, I love Michelle Yeoh. Um, she's one of my favourite actresses of all time. Um, so anything that she's in is great. But I think that'll be more in the past anyway, around the Strange New World sort of era. Well, I don't know, because remember, didn't she go through that weird portal that can take her anywhere she wants? In, well, that's um, true too, yeah. yeah. So I don't know, but I'm just, I'm happy for, to forget all that. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it's leading to a new, for like, uh, a modern era Trek show where, say, Seven is the captain. Yeah, I kind of... Like, because I, we, we do know that we're going to get to see the decommissioning ceremony of the Enterprise F. Oh, see, I didn't know that, but... Um, oh, really? Yeah, no. Oh, that's been everywhere on okay. social media. So uh, you haven't seen any... You haven't seen any shots of the Odyssey what, class? Uh, no, I don't even know what the F looks like. Oh, so... Okay, so... Yeah. That ship I showed you the other day. Oh, okay. Yes, that's an Odyssey class, yeah, basically. Nice. Okay, so that's what the F is going to look like. Okay, interesting. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I... I, I think that would be a nice arc for Seven, but I think I would be almost just as happy if she sort of went, you know what? As I want to go back to being Fenris Ranger. Time, even, even if she doesn't go back to the Fenris, it's maybe Starfleet isn't the right place for me. I, I don't um, think so, because going back to last week, Picard still said to her when she was talking about quitting, like he was like, I see it in you. You have the potential. Mm. So oh, I, yeah. I really think I, mean, I think that's going to become her arc. Seven of Nine in Voyager was she could do anything. The only thing that ever hold, that ever held Seven back was her inexperience at being a human. She's been a human now for over twenty years, like being you know um, uh, liberated from the Borg. Yeah. So like that that's not holding her back anymore. She should still, if anything, they've dumbed her down in Picard. Like she's not as just throwing science at everybody as much as she was in the past, which is fine. Um, but yeah, like she's already been fast tracked straight into Starfleet as a commander. And I have no problem with that. She's no. she's clearly qualified. Yeah, definitely. Um, do I see her as a captain? I'm not sure. I, I really think, sure. like, I think she's got it. I really do. I, like, guess, I guess I would need to see her start building a team. Like maybe if there was some more back and forward with her and um Ensign LaForge and the other bridge members and stuff like that. Um to see her real like there was that great moment where she, you know, obviously took the Titan out of space dock. That was a really great moment. Well, like, but she was very nervous. You could tell she was nervous as hell doing that. So even when Shaw relieved her of her position in this episode and basically sent her back to her quarters, she still came out of her quarters Grabbed some security staff. Oh yeah, and was like, despite yeah, 
my position, we're doing this. Yeah. And people were following her. Oh, absolutely. So it, but, but I don't think if Shaw was taken out of his position, I don't think anyone would follow him. True, true. But She's also, got that respect of the crew. That I guess that wasn't Seven on the bridge commanding. That was Seven taking a bunch of people and being a security officer, which but, we know she can be. Like, she's a badass. Like, she's taken out plenty of people on Voyager. So, yeah, I just haven't seen her yet um, confidently command a bridge. No, I think that's, she... That's all... That's I think if I can see a little bit more of that and see her um, get joy out of that, you know, and realise this is my place. What I guess what I'm saying is I want I want Seven to get to that realisation herself. Great. It's great if Picard gives her that, that sort of bump and says, hey, I believe in you. You can do this. You're going to make a kick-ass captain. I don't want Seven to do it because Picard said it. I want Seven to do it because Seven wants it. And maybe that'll be her arc over this season, but I haven't seen Seven want it yet. And that could simply be because Shaw is, you know, keeping her under the thumb, you know, dead naming her, whatever it may be. I yeah. So by the end of the season, if we get there and and we we see that over the next say eight episodes, great. But as of season two, I don't know if I want a captainship. A captaincy for her, yes. Think, think about all the great captains in Star Trek that we know of, right? Mm. So Kirk, Picard, Riker, Janeway, right? They all, you know, go by their gut instinct. Yeah. Seven, she is doing the same thing. Right? All yeah, the calls that she has made that Shaw has shut down were her gut instinct. Mm. But we've all been, we've been shown so far that her gut instinct is pretty much on. Oh, yeah. So I, I really think, like, when you can look at it that way, she's got it, mate. Oh, I, ha- I have no doubt she would she would be a good captain, but I don't know that she wants it. If you, if you All those other captains you listed, they wanted it. They wanted they, it, they, yes. they trained in Starfleet. They worked their entire lives and careers to get to that point, and they're like, yes, this is where I belong. Seven was an outsider from the moment we met her back in, in Voyager. And then we find out in season um, season one of Picard that, that, yeah, she's out on her own again. Like St- Starfleet passed her by and went, thanks, but no thanks. And yeah, she's a bit and of a loner. She, and she's been lost. So, yeah, so it's like the way modern storytelling is done, is she going to do that heroic arc and be the captain? Or is she going to get there, have, it, have a captaincy offered to her and go – you know what? I thought this is what I wanted, and now that it's here in front of me, I don't. I, and she finds something else. Oh, I honestly think her arc is finding Starfleet as her family again, because realistically, Voyager, it took she Voyager found was her family, her, her family. They were her collective. Yeah, and um, you know, yeah, no, 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 like I said, I'm totally down for it. I just want to see, I want to see Seven want it. I okay. want, I want, I want her to make her own decisions um, and really take charge of her life. Um, and if she wants the captaincy, then I want it for her, but I don't want her to take it just because an old white man tells her that she's going to be good at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just be- before we go, there were there were a few other cool little things in this episode, like mm-hmm. um, where, uh, what's his name, Sneed had that uh, Romulan guy's head just sitting behind the chair. Great prosthetics. That's one of the, <laughs> I mean, we've seen a lot of severed heads in Star Trek, and that's got to be the best so, so far, I reckon. Yeah, that was that was really cool. He was good. a little lobeless. He was a little... Gabe, s- yes. Sneed was a little lobeless. Um, I wanted just some slightly bigger lobes on him. And you you mentioned, like, his... Um, his jaw as well, like uh, like his like stubble, sh- stubble, like five yeah. o'clock shadow. We've never seen any Ferengi with any inkling of hair outside of the inside of their ears. So does that mean in the seven years we followed Quark around, did he have to get up every morning and shave? Well, I'm thinking they'd have like a sonic shaver, to, like sonic razor, like a sonic shower I just type of thing. Assumed they never grew hair. Oh, right. Um, so. When when Nog was going through all his heavy depression. Um, oh, and I don't think they have a sonic shaver because remember there's that scene of, um, uh, well, there's two. There's one in maybe Next Generation or DS9 where someone is shaving, I think it's Geordie, is shaving with like a weird blue cube in front of the mirror. Or is it Riker? Riker or Geordie? Maybe even Chakotay. It'd have to be early Next Generation if Riker's shaving. True. <laughs> um, but then there's also that scene in, I guess, you know, they didn't have all their um, 
normal uh, accoutrement at the time, but Tuvok had to shave with that cool uh, Vulcan blade uh, in Year of Hell. Well, maybe that's just a cultural thing too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just assumed, you know, if, you know, like I was saying, if you know, Nog going through all his um, depression when he lost his leg, uh, that would be the perfect time for him to grow a five o'clock shadow if he uh, didn't want to shave all the time because yeah. he was feeling down on himself. So it's an interesting addition. Uh, I'll have to rewatch again to see how I feel about it completely. But they did they did change the fringe up a little bit. I mean, obviously, it's not not a discovery level. Uh, abomination of, oh. of ruining the look of, of so many alien characters, um, but it it read as a Ferengi. The you know the the, the brows were a little pointier and ang- angular, which is fine. You know, it could be yeah. A, well, he might have been a Ferengi from like the other side of the planet for all we know. And, stuff yeah. like that. and it, it looked like he almost had an extra set of um, like brain bumps. Like they have those kind yeah. of you know because the different. Um, they like have, brain lobe things. They have more hemispheres in their brain than humans do. So, you know, you look at Quark and he kind of has the two bumps um, sort of on the top of his head and two at the back. And I noticed Sneed did kind of have four at the back. Um, and, yeah, some slightly some slightly smaller ears. But um, I did look at it and go, oh, my God, is that what they're trying to call Ferengi? Like I did when discovering <laughs> no. Klingons and you're like, what the hell is that? He read as a as a as a modified like a an updated modern um, Ferengi. So Star Trek is really leaning into uh, a lot of Andorians these days as well. Even back in like the days of Enterprise, we've been seeing a lot well, of Shran, a lot of Andorians. Was such a huge like hugely popular character. But like, um, even in Lower Decks, you know, we've got Jennifer who's yeah, an Andorian. Yeah, and like, I, I think it's I think didn't they say with I mean you're a bigger Enterprise fan than I ever was, but if the show had kept going, wasn't Shran actually going to become like a regular character or something like that? I like don't know, but that w- he was such like, um, what was his name? Um, Jeffrey Coombs. Jeffrey Coombs. He's such a good actor. I like Ferengi. To, 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 yeah, <laughs> Ferengi, yeah, everything. Like yeah. to have him as like a main cast member in, in the show would be great. Would have been great. But yeah. yeah, speaking about Andorians, obviously Andorians were one of the first races that we sort of met after the Vulcans as well because their mm. planet is relatively close to Earth. Yeah. So it is good that we're we're seeing a lot of Andorians in the background, in yeah. the, in, especially in these shitty planets too. Yeah, blue skins matter. <laughs> well, don't forget, hey, we've got white skinned uh, Andorians as well, don't we? Oh, that's right. What are they called? The A Anar, uh, Anars, yeah, something like that. Sounds like Anus. Yeah, yeah the, the blind um, ones. Yeah, yeah. Because you know the old chief engineer in Strange New Worlds on the Enterprise. That's he was right. That guy. See, this is why I need to do a rewatch of Strange New Worlds. I forgot he existed. <laughs> Uh, well, we only first met them in Enterprise anyway. Mm, yeah, which wasn't my favourite. So, But no, I think, yeah, then obviously Discovery, we did see a couple of Andorians in the background and they looked terrible. Um, so, yeah, like these Andorians we're seeing look look correct. Okay, so the people running Discovery, sort your shit out. Yeah. Like, I can't say it any just, clearer than that. I would just say close up shop. Yep. You know, it's yeah, done. D- Discovery it's needs done. to stop. Yeah, it's done. All right, I love Star Trek. Maddie, yeah, you love Star Trek, Absolutely. but yeah, Discovery not so good. Yeah, Picard season three, we're on to a winner at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I'm still nervous. I still don't want it to shit the bed like uh, it has <laughs> in previous seasons. So I'm I'm nervous, but I'm excited. Okay, well, that's probably about uh, it for us on this one. Hopefully, yeah, all right. So it off on Raffi, covered up on Jack. Oh, actually, I, I like the way Ellis that Jack no escaped his cell. Oh yeah, the little wristy thing. I mean, <laughs> wristy, <laughs> the, the sh- shield inhibitor type of thing. Yeah, I mean, or disruptor, I should say. Obviously, you know, a lot of dickheads on the Titan uh, because a didn't like check him over for any devices before throwing him in the brig, and then the douchebag uh, brig officer, <laughs> like that big fucking no neck meathead, he deserved it. Yeah. If anything, I would have loved just a w- if it was me directing it. When Jack did disrupt the um, the force field and sort of took out that guard, just to like rub salt in the wound, I would have actually just tossed him through the brig and then activated and reactivated left and, and left him uh, locked in the brig. I think that's what he deserved because he was a fucking meathead uh, <laughs> and he needs to fucking sort his shit out. Can you imagine if that character showed up at lower? I'm glad I'm not beeping out stuff in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine what like? Our four main characters from Lower Decks would say about that guy if he was if he was working on the Cerritos or something like that. <laughs> oh my god, would they destroy him? Imagine uh-huh. what Mariner would do to that guy. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he deserved it. He deserved he deserved worse than what he got. <laughs> well, hopefully uh well we first of all we apologize for last week's uh, audio quality on our first episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah we should have done a bad. test. We should have done a test, but we were so excited about it, we just got going and then found out at the end that uh oh. That so. was entirely my fault, but uh this uh this week hopefully it is better. And uh, we we did a test. So all right, Matty, um, where can we find you on socials, mate? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at highpitchmatty, H-I-G-H-P-I-T-C-H-M-A-T-T-Y. I'm glad um, you could spell, mate. <laughs> I just had to stop for a second there and went, I've never I've never spelt it before. Um, but I'm just wondering if people are searching like just high, like H-I and then pitch Matty. But no, it's high pitch Matty. It's because my voice is high. I got the name. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at a geek in camo. Mm. Or, you know, if you are interested in other things like shooting as well, you can find me at... Precision rifle guy. So, and you know, don't forget if you do like all these type of things like sci fi, you know, the rest of the channel, uh, Get Into Geek, mm. is got so much stuff on it, you know, with the other guys. Um, yeah. you know, you'll hear Maddie on there sometimes, you'll hear you know, occasionally me, plus they've got the Get Into Gate podcast, which mm-hmm. is on its own separate channel. Stargate Rewatch podcast. Yeah. And yeah, if there's anything you want us um, to talk about uh, for making it so, like if, if we you think we forgot anything that we should have talked about in this episode or any um, theories that maybe we missed from the first episode you want us to um, talk about, send them through. Slip, yeah. Slip into our DMs. Oh, the inbox is uh, always open. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, let us know what you think of um, Picard uh, Season 3 so far. Cool. All right. Thank you very much. And we will... Be back next week for episode three of mm. Stargate, uh, correction, Star Trek Picard <laughs> season three. That's one. Yes. Uh, the next episode is called mm-hmm. 17 Seconds. Oh, I mean, that's how long I last in bed. But other than that. Oh, I really don't want to know be? about that one, mate. What so could that be about? 17, I think 17 that's seconds. enough about. Maybe, maybe, that's, <laughs> maybe that's how long Picard lasted in making Jack. And that's why Beverly never told him. Oh, maybe that was how long Wesley watched them make him for. Oh, <laughs> childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs>